Amen. Praise the Lord. Well, welcome to another message for Lyft. I'm happy I can share this message with you all today. So, I'll begin with by um, saying the title first. And actually, within the title is actually the burden that I want to release for today. So the title says, Noah, the life and work that can change the age. And I want you to underline, I want you to circle the word can. Because your life and your work can change the age. So we're talking about Noah today, right? And we're going to look at his life and his work. But in a sense, we have the opportunity we have the privilege, and actually we have the right as well, to follow in the same footsteps as Noah did. So actually, throughout the whole outline, you will see Noah, Noah, Noah. So maybe right next to it, above it, or below it, you write your name. You can write your name right there, because your, your life and your work can change the age okay so that's the burden that we will see a life in the work and we will take this life and this work as our own as our own pattern so that we can be ones to contribute in changing the age well in my study of of noah for this past week or so it was very difficult for me to actually distinguish between Noah's life and his work. The, his life actually and his work were inseparable. His life was his work and his work was his life. There were many verses that I, I found where it mentioned something concerning his life, his living. And then the verses that I discovered that mentioned his work or mentioning his life. So then I was kind of like, wait, is this his life? Is this his work? Well, this showed me, and I want to impress you all, that his life was his work. His work was his life. They were indistinguishable, which means that in the same way, when one sees our life, they see our work. When they see your work, they see your life. Our life and our work needs to be in the same way. So Roman number one says, God showed Noah the true situation of the corrupt age in which he lived. So in order to appreciate what we're about to get into in this entire um, message today, it's good to um, look at the background. So I'll read Genesis 6, 5 through 7. And this is concerning the background um, before Noah, in a sense, was introduced. So Genesis 6, 5 through 7 says, And Jehovah saw that the wickedness of man was great in the earth. 
and that every imagination of the thoughts of his heart was only evil continually. Verse 6. And Jehovah repented that he had made man on the earth, and it grieved him in his heart. Verse 7. And Jehovah said, I will blot out the man whom I have created from the surface of the ground, from man to beast to creeping things to the birds of heaven. For I repent that I have made him. That's the background right there. Genesis chapter 6. Point A says, when God had first looked at mankind in Genesis 1, he was happy and pleased with man. Point B says, when God had another look at man in Genesis 6, he saw that man had become wicked and corrupt to the uttermost. And it grieved him, it grieved God that he had made man. So in Genesis 1.26, God said, let us make man in our image, according to our likeness, and let them have dominion over every animal. This was God. God said. So man was made in the image of God to express him, and entrusted with God's authority to represent him. So, God, so man had God's image and God's dominion. And later on in that chapter, in verse 31 of chapter 1, God said, very good. Right? He said, very good after creating man. This, in a sense, made God very happy. He was very happy. He was very satisfied with man. So then from chapter 1, Chapter 2, chapter 3, chapter 4, 5, and 6, you're seeing a degradation in man. Man is falling, is degrading, slowly, little by little, till it comes to this kind of breaking point in chapter 6, where actually he saw man, God saw man, man had become wicked, corrupt to the uttermost. It grieved him. I mean, think about it. It grieved, right? Verse verse um, 6 says, Jehovah repented. And it says, it grieved him in his heart. And it didn't say it, make, it made him sad. It said it grieved him. Jehovah grieved. Jehovah repented. And then Jehovah said, I will blot out man. Meaning he will erase man. Take him out. Right. And then it says later on that verse, for I repent. I believe this is one of the few cases in the Bible where actually God says, I repent. I repent for making man. The situation there made Jehovah, made God very sad, very sad to the uttermost. But then the verse right after that is actually the turning point. And it's actually what we're going to get into in Roman numeral two. So the answer actually 
to all of this was Genesis 6 8. But, this verse begins with but. But Noah. But your name. Put your name there. And I say put your name there because Noah's life at this point was a life and work that changed the age. After this point, right, the whole age changed. Everything changed after this point. Genesis 6-8 is actually one of the greatest verses in Genesis because this was a turning point. This is a turning point. And actually after this, God was happy because there was one. There was one in the face of the earth that he could say, okay, I'm not going to blot out man. I'm not. So let's go to Roman number two. Noah's life was a life that changed the age. Genesis 6, 8, and 9 say, verse 8, But Noah found favor in the sight of Jehovah. Verse 9, These are the generations of Noah. Noah was a righteous man, blameless in his generations. And Noah walked with God. 2 Peter 2, 5 says, And did not spare the ancient world, but guarded Noah, a herald of righteousness with seven others when he brought a flood upon the world of the ungodly. Point A says, when Satan has done his best to damage the situation, there have always been some who found grace in the eyes of God to become, to become ones who turn the age. So Genesis 6, 8 says, the climax, the turning point, but Noah found favor in the sight of Jehovah. Noah found favor in the sight of Jehovah. This is the turning point here. So the word for favor in Hebrew here is, is grace. So Noah found grace in the sight of Jehovah. So in the midst of this situation, in the midst of this crooked and perverted generation, Noah was one who found grace in the sight of Jehovah. So Jehovah saw Noah. He saw Noah live this kind of life in the midst of this situation. Isn't this wonderful? This is actually marvelous. Jehovah saw, right? So what is grace? That's the question, right? What is grace? Well, John 1.17, there's a lot of verses in the Bible, so, but I would just highlight and focus on John 1.17. It says, for the law was given through Moses. Grace and reality came through Jesus Christ. 
So according to this verse right here, and actually many other verses in the Bible, grace is a person. Grace is Jesus Christ himself. So when Jesus Christ came, grace came. So, so grace is just God coming to us. Jesus coming to us. This is what grace is. You know, he did not have to come to us. God did not have to come to us, but he wanted to. He wanted to send his son. There was a longing. There was something in his heart that he purposed, that he delighted in. And this is what he did. He sent his son as grace for what? For our enjoyment. Actually, to be our everything. To be our everything. This is what grace is. Grace is just God as our enjoyment to be everything to us and for us. So this is what Noah found. Noah found grace in the eyes of God. So grace is God in the sun as our enjoyment. The grace of the Lord Jesus Christ as the bountiful supply of God is enjoyed by us through the exercise of our human spirit. This point, I really appreciate that we have a human spirit, that we can contact God who is spirit and we can worship him in spirit. And when we worship him in spirit, we are actually ones who are enjoying grace. We're enjoying God, Jesus Christ, as grace. Then Jehovah can find, can find you. He can find you. Right? He can say, wow, there's someone there who found grace in my sight. I am looking at you as at you who is one who is enjoying me as grace in the midst of this crooked and perverted generation. So this is what grace is. And may we all be ones who enjoy God in this way, who find grace in the sight of Jehovah in these times. Point B says, like his great-grandfather, Enoch, Noah walked with God by faith, which was God's divine element transfused and infused into him to be his believing ability. As a result, he became heir of God's righteousness and a herald of righteousness as a protest against the evil generation. Noah's righteousness Strengthen God's standing to execute his judgment upon that ungodly generation. So Noah was a herald of righteousness. Sounds like him doing something. Sounds like it is work. Actually, it was his living. All right. In the midst of this, the age that he was living in, 
He was one who was preaching the gospel. In a sense, he was sharing with others the experiences of God that he was going through. Right? Noah walked with God. He must have gotten that from Enoch, his great-grandfather. He was very much influenced, even though Enoch walked with God and God took him, right? Um, he did not see death. But he was influenced by that life. He was influenced by that pattern, that way of living. So in the same way, Noah walked with God by faith. Right? So in a sense, his daily living, he just shared his experiences of walking with God by faith. So he became a herald of righteousness. So the grace that he was experiencing at this time was something that he was receiving, which caused him to share, to preach the gospel to others. He couldn't help himself. He was just one his living was just his speaking. His speaking <laughs> was just his living. This was Noah. In the same way, we have the opportunity to be ones who enjoy Christ as grace. And we can be ones who preach the gospel to others. All right, let's, so let's go to Roman number three, which is on Noah's work. Noah's work was a work that changed the age. Hebrews 11.7 says, By faith, Noah, having been divinely instructed concerning things not yet seen, and being moved by pious fear, prepared an ark for the salvation of his house, through which he condemned the world and became heir of the righteousness, which is according to faith. Point A says, God gave Noah an all-inclusive revelation a further revelation the revelation to build the ark which was the way that god would terminate the corrupted generation and bring in a new age noah built the ark not according to his own imagination but absolutely according to god's revelation and divine instructions by faith so the ark that noah built I would say is a type of the practical and present Christ as God's salvation. What does this mean? What is practical and present Christ? So we're not here, brothers and sisters, to know Christ in a historical way. Everything that we learn in the Bible is actually for our experience can be applied to our experience today. So this is why we can say we, we need to enjoy the practical and present Christ, not the distant Christ. So Noah and Noah building the ark is a type. His work was to build the ark, right? And he was instructed in all the ways and how God wanted this ark. And as he built this ark, this ark actually became his salvation. Just consider, he was saved from God's judgment 
upon the whole earth, right? God, God judged the world, the whole earth, the world at that time, right? By sending a flood. And the flood came and wiped out everything. So if you were not in the ark, you were not saved. So that ark, Noah's work became his salvation. And actually it was God's salvation to Noah. Because it was God, the one who opened his heart to Noah. To tell him, to show him how to build the ark. So to build the ark is to build up the practical and present Christ as God's salvation in our experience for, it's not only just for ourselves, it's actually for the building up of the church. You consider, let's consider, you know, the Old Testament is a book of pictures, right? So, so I'm, I'm talking about the ark. Noah built the ark. Right, and what he entered into became his salvation, and actually, that ushered Noah and his family and all the creatures that were in there into a new age. Right, into a new age. So, in the same way, we're living now. You are living today, right? In the midst of this perverted, this crooked generation, this age. So we're here building up the church. The church is a type of the ark. The ark is a type of the church. Right? So we're here building up the church in the midst of our normal experiences throughout our life. When we're at school. When we're in class. When we're alone, when we're at the gym, right? All these places we have the opportunity actually to build up the church. And in this, actually, what we work on in our daily, moment by moment, mundane, I would even say, experiences, we are building the church. And what we build, brothers and sisters, will be our salvation when the judgment comes. Will be our salvation. So what Noah worked on and entered into was God's salvation. So in the same way, we need to have this practical and present experiences of Christ every single day so that we can enter as God's salvation. So it's not a small thing to wake up earlier in the morning to have some time alone with the Lord. It's not a small thing to set aside 10 minutes. It's not. That experience counts. That experience counts in the eyes of the Lord. It's not a small thing to text each other and to remind each other concerning Lyft, concerning Mike Knight, Concerning the Bible studies. It's not a small thing to call each other. To share our experiences of the Lord. Of what you, what the Lord saw. What the Lord showed you in his word. It's not a small thing, brothers and sisters. 
these little things add up, right, into our work, which is building up the body of Christ, right? And this will eventually, one day, this will usher us into a new age. It's not a small thing. The, the group meetings, the college dinners, it's not a small thing to attend, to participate, to share our enjoyment of Christ. They're not a small thing. Point B, this is the last point. By building the ark and entering into it, Noah was not only saved from God's judgment on the evil generation through the flood, but was also separated from that generation and ushered into a new age. So this is kind of putting everything together. You know, our life, our living is our work, and our work is our living. We're not here to save just ourselves. We're actually here to build up the church. The Lord is longing for an expression, a corporate expression on the earth. Once there is a corporate expression on the earth, the Lord can come back. And everything else will be there. But we're here experiencing Christ, right? The present and practical Christ. And this, these experiences build up the church. And then we enter into the church life, right? We enter into the small group meetings throughout the week. We enter into the twos and threes where we meet up with fellow CCS members or, or the volunteers, um, the homes, the dinners, right? And this will save us from God's judgment today. And then will separate us to be ushered into a new age. So this is, this is actually the gold of this message. It's not only our living. It's not only about us. It's actually about the church, right? Noah found grace in the sight of Jehovah, but then God opened his heart to Noah about something. And this something was the, was the ark, which is a type, in a sense, of the church, of our experiences of Christ, the practical and present Christ, which usher us, which actually build up the body of Christ and usher us into a new age. So I hope with this, this message today, I think this is one, the first message concerning Noah. And then uh, in the following weeks, there will be, I think, two more, I believe, message concerning Noah. But this was the beginning. Noah, remember, put your name in there. The life and work that can change the age.